People love him already. He's got the uh, Rhode Island twang. The long pass to Moore and a pin block from Martin. Tune in to Cam's corner. He's going <laughs> to make it here. Draws the foul for another Rhode Island in one. I can't his own podcast. It's good off the backboard and in. On a break. And we are back, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Cam's Corner. Like, comment, subscribe, do all that great stuff. You guys have been going crazy on the last few episodes. And again, supporting that documentary I just put out on Coach Dan Mazzula. That's been going crazy. So thank you guys for all the support. But today we got Victor Baez in the house, the host of the Club Ambition podcast, host of the YouTube, the YouTube channel for Club Ambition. Yes, sir. I mean, biggest one of the biggest Rhode Island influencers. So, I mean, Victor, thank you for, for hopping on, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate you for yeah. the invite, Cam. You know, sure, this is a dope setup you got right here in your house. Very convenient. You can just record them yeah. <laughs> whenever you like it. But, yeah, man, uh, I'm excited to talk about anything, you know, Rhode Island related. So, thank you, man. Appreciate the invite. For sure. I'm, I'm glad that we could collaborate. Glad I could get your attention. I know you got a lot of social media followers. So, like, yeah. you get DMs like that, like, all the time. So, I'm sure it's tough to always respond to people. But yeah, yeah. Um, just to start off for yourself, uh, where are you from? And, you know, in your high school days, where, what were your, like, likes, your dislikes? Like, how did you kind of start to get into the influencing stage of your career? Yeah, man, I'm from Providence, Rhode Island, born and raised uh, from Providence, Rhode Island. Both of my parents are immigrants from the Dominican Republic. We had family here in Providence, Rhode Island, and they offered us a place to stay for free throughout, like, I want to say, first, like, five, five years of, like, my childhood. And then eventually, uh, once my father got here, my mother came here first, we started to, you know, build a life of our own, move into our own spot, you know, in the south side of Providence, off of Broad Street. And, you know, I remember from a childhood, uh, very young, like I remember getting like um, a lot of music sent to me because back then it was like, you know, it was pre-streaming. So everything was like illegal in a sense where it was like if you didn't actually buy it off of iTunes or buy the CD, you would have to bootleg it. So I would get a lot of bootleg DVDs sent from DR of music, you know, Dominican music, Dominican songs. And a lot of times, to be honest, the majority was like hip-hop music in music video form, but in DVD. Like, they put it in a DVD. Like, my aunts from DR would send it out to me over here. I'm like, what the heck? And I would check it out. And then, obviously, back in those days, it was like MTV era. So I would always remember, like, waking up early before school, getting ready, and then watching MTV music videos right before school. So my love for music started very, very young, you know, and then eventually when it came to high school, you know, going into classical, I met, um, you know, a third person because the channel started with me, Eric and Marlon. So I met Eric in middle school and then Marlon joined us as a group and as a friend collective in high school. And then we all just fell in love with music. We would play music in each other's, you know, cars, basements. Every time Drake would drop something on SoundCloud, you know, OVO blog, the website that he had back then, Premiere Music, you know, every, was it, I think, Wednesday or Thursday, we would get together and listen to music together. And then we thought about it randomly, like, oh, just put this on camera, you know. Mm. But my thing was like, oh, you know, people do reactions in their house. And I'm like, oh, let's try it in our car because, like, it would be kind of different. I, in my head, I thought it was, like, an easier job, too. I'm, like, kind of being lazy with it, but at the same time, organic. And then off of the first video, you know, it was Travis Scott, I want to say, Birds in a Trap singing McKnight. I was just looking at that, yeah, when yeah. I was looking at your that YouTube that, channel. Yep. It was that one. And then back then, you know, we didn't know what we were doing in the sense where, like, I knew that us just being ourselves was going to kind of work. Because, like, in school, people always liked us because we weren't, like, mixed up in one individual crowd. Like, especially me. Like, I was had love from everyone. I had love from, you know the kids that, you know, sold weed, and then I had love at the same time from the teachers. Like, everyone just showed me love. I was in, involved, involved in every crowd, pretty universal. And I'm like, okay, this might work on camera. And then, long behold, first video, I had it in two parts. I think it was part one at the time. I don't even do that no more. I, I, you know, I don't know why I was doing that, but it worked. I was like, birds in a trap sang McKnight. It was like a long album. I didn't know how to edit that well. I put it in, up in, on YouTube part one. And it worked. Like, it got, like, so much views in the first, like, weekend. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And people were kept commenting about us, like, just being in the car, being ourselves. It was just one video. Yes, one that video. Popped off. One video popped off. And then after that album, I think we did, like, Isaiah Rashad's album. Um, and then that one worked to the point that on social media, Isaiah Rashad, like, commented on an Instagram post. And I was mm. like, oh, no, this, this is crazy. Like, what is going on here? So then we just kept doing it. And my whole thing was about consistency. Like, every week we got to drop videos no matter what. And I'm proud to say, like, now, going on to eight years later, every single week I drop the video, like, no matter what. Like, it's been mm -hmm. almost, like, on the channel, it's got to be, like, 2,000 
videos in total, like on YouTube, that I've edited and uploaded no matter what. And that transition into everything you see now where it's like the podcast space and just building a company that thankfully, you know, pays the bills, especially for like the office space that we have our mm-hmm. own, you know, so, you know, seven years, eight years ago, you told me that I would have been still doing this and doing it, you know, producing any level of income. I would have said you're crazy, but mm. you know, it, it happened. So that was, you started doing that in high school. Yeah. High school, high school. So that you dropped one video and like over a week, you you could say like, it just kind of popped off from there. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say in a week it popped off, and I want to you know take it back to just like again. Some people always ask a question like, "What's the formula?" Now I always tell people consistency, mm. but at the same time, it really goes down to just being yourself. Like we were just being ourselves, like to this day, like on video, on camera. You know, we were being very blunt. If we didn't like something, we didn't like it. If we liked it, we did. You know, we've had artists reach out, and they tend to reach out even more when you don't like something of theirs. Like right. the friendship we've gained with artists like a Trippy Red. Is because of the fact that we didn't like a certain song or project, and he'll reach out, be like, "What the? Why didn't you guys like that?" You know, instead of being kind of like a yes man, you know what I'm saying? So yep. that that's been working in our favor, just the authenticity of all the content that you carry out. Yeah. So it started off with just music, just mm-hmm. reacting to music, just being yourself. Like obviously, you know, back then social media was a lot different. I mean, yeah. it's, I say back then, it wasn't that long ago. Only eight years is, you know. Yeah. yeah. But media the platforms have, have changed like 100%, drastically 100 um even in the course of like a couple of years you know so yeah. um what was your kind of plan of attack like you know you said you wanted to be consistent but and be yourself at the same time too but you know what were some of like the like strategies that you would use like obviously now there's tiktok there wasn't tiktok you know eight years yeah. ago so what how did you one stay consistent and two just you know continue to put as much stuff out on social media as possible yeah man uh the plan of attack really was just like Going back to the consistency, but at the same time, you know, making sure you cross, like, all the, you know, the boxes that you needed to do. So, if we needed a camera, we had to get one. So, we borrowed a camera from my boy. Shout out to him. He's one of my best friends to this day, Michael. Michael Falai. He let us borrow a GoPro at that time, you know. And I think we still ended up keeping it. Like, he never used it. He never asked for it back. But that was, like, something that we needed to do. Like, we're not going to record on our phones. Let's get a camera, right? So, I always tell people, invest in yourself. Get the equipment that you need to make it happen. If you know you need a camera, if you need a visual, get the camera, right? And then was just the editing, the uploading. You know, mm-hmm. at that time, I used my laptop, which I think was like a Dell. I forgot, like a, one of the cheapest versions of a Dell. You can get a blue, like a blue screen Dell. And then I would upload, I would edit on Movie Maker, which was a cheap, uh, the free program that every like Dell has, like a Movie Maker editing software. It was the simplest edits, the simplest everything. Um, and just uploading it. And we didn't even have thumbnails. We were just mm. uploading it. I would not make thumbnails. It was just like raw, organic. And I think people seeing the thumbnail just being like us in a car listening to music kind of appealed to people. Right. You know, eventually, obviously, now I'm like, I can make any thumbnail in the world. Like, I've gotten so so great at it. But back then, it was just about just doing it. So that's what I would think. You know, don't look at necessarily what everyone else is kind of doing to try to emulate it fully. Just try to do your own version of it, you know. Mm. So if people are doing videos, reactions, etc., just upload them. Keep it going. You know, just do it your own way. And somehow, some way, people are going to gravitate to you, you know, because it's pretty crazy the amount of even subscribers we've gained just from the reactions. Like, a lot of other reactions never, ever reached that much, you know. Right. We might not get sometimes as much views as other reaction channels, but our fan base, especially subscriber base, is definitely, like, bigger than a lot of people. Yeah. And, and again, coming from Rhode Island, doing it in the smallest state in the country. I mean, yeah. Um, now it's obviously getting a lot of attraction through TikTok. TikTok is huge for yes. getting, you know, people to interact with the videos that you make and making those short reels like that goes a long way. So yeah, yeah. did you, you didn't have anything like that back then, right? No, we didn't have anything like that um back then. It was all just posting it all on YouTube, but then I not to lie though, I would make like a I would try to make a, like a 1 minute recap. So I was kind of ahead of my time where I would try to make a 1 minute recap of the let's say 30 minute reaction, so I'd kind of chop it up. And put it into one minute, like us just reacting to the best parts of the the, the album or whatever the case may be, and then putting it up on Instagram. And my ho- whole thing was like, you know, everyone's not gonna watch the full reaction on YouTube, and even though we get more views on there, we still gotta promote it. You know, we yeah. gotta promote it no matter what. So it was about being proud about about whatever you have. You know, a lot of people like, oh damn, this didn't get that much views. It's gonna get that much, you know, attention. Well, 
you didn't promote it, you know, and you can't get mad at the fact that no one's checking it out because you're not promoting it. You know, you got to kind of almost annoy people with the promotion. And we did it. We did it to the point that our biggest uh, Instagram account and biggest Twitter accounts eventually got suspended and then permanently deleted because I would post so much and then post sometimes things that I couldn't post, like certain parts of songs and copyright infringement and all that stuff ended up happening. But I would flood it like crazy. And then now with the new era where we have the TikTok shorts, reels, where everything's kind of like 9 by 16, basically the frame of a phone, which is 9 inches by 16 inches on a phone. Well, not inches, um, centimeters, I think, or whatever the case may be. They call it 9 by 16. I never thought about it That's because this is definitely yeah. way smaller than 16 inches. <laughs> what am I talking about? But it's 9 by 16. That's the frame rate. So everything on that form of a piece of content visually is kind of what everything's modernized now, too. And at first, I was kind of annoyed. I'm like, damn, TikTok, like, I don't know. I can't keep up with this, you know. That was probably, like, about a year and a half ago. I was like, I can't keep up with this. Like, this is, like, uh, this is too new to me. But then I really forced myself. I'm like, yo, I really got to do this change. This is going to help us somehow. You know, this platform is new. People like it. Let's adapt to it. And I taught myself, literally, like, I would stress myself out, teaching myself how to make TikToks to the mm-hmm. point that now our TikTok is on its way to, like, 70,000 uh, followers. But, like, over 3 million plus likes. And we go viral all the time. And I would yep. see a lot of people... You know, before we had a TikTok, post, like, our older reactions and videos on TikTok. Like, videos of us crying to, like, Tentacion music. Mm. Or videos of, of us going crazy reacting to The weekend would pop up on these artists' fan page TikToks. So, I'm like, nah. We definitely got to do this. So, I buckled down and I did it. And now the TikTok's blowing up like crazy right now. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, burner accounts like that. that it's not you specifically, but they put out, like... Exactly, yeah. Like, even, like, you know, like a very popular podcast like impulsive like they'll just mm-hmm. take clips from that and it's not even their account it's not just them putting account. that out and th- those th- videos will blow up too yeah man it's, so, it's insane yeah and, and again like we said like that tiktok platform that reels like instagram like that is where a lot of the attraction comes in with the views and things like that so definitely a huge help over the years but mm-hmm. um going back to like you from high school going to classical graduating from there Correct me if I'm wrong. Did you go to URI too? Yeah, I went to URI. Yep. I went to URI. Yeah. You graduated from there too? Yeah, I graduated from URI in the first four years. I graduated from URI. Yeah. yeah. For, what did you major in? So I majored in um, uh, entrepreneurial management. So yeah. I got the, the College of Business um, bachelor's degree. Um, but yeah, at first I, I, wasn't, I was pretty like questionable whether I was going or not because all my friends, uh, well not all of them, but a good amount of them definitely got into like the talent development program that TD had, mm-hmm. uh, that the URI had. But I didn't. I wasn't accepted into that. And then I was kind of like, oh, man, I really can't afford school. But then I was able to apply, and and I got a good amount of help through grants, and especially through um, Cars Crusade, the Crusaders. I, I think they have a different name now, but Cars Crusade helped a lot at the time, and I was, you know, able to do it. But I had to, like, rush and, like, graduate in four years while everyone else when TD was, like, comfortably, you know, I think they got five years, so they were able to chill for the fifth year. But I was like, no, I'm – I got to go do summer courses. I had to pay a lot of money out of pocket. It was very stressful, but the main reason I did it was for my parents because, like, I was a first-generation, you know, graduate, and no one really in my family went through that experience. You know, I have a lot of aunts and uncles that literally never even graduated, you know, high school and DR. So it was something that I wanted to do to make them proud and look back at. But at the same time, you know, through my time there, it was a bit like, oh, like, I kind of know everything. Like, I would, I would have classes. Well, first of all, to be honest and bluntly honest, I was, like, the first person of color not the first, but the only person of color in a lot of my classes, right? So it would be, like, a lot of kids, you know, a lot of white people in just suits. And so I was, like, you know, getting accustomed to it because I'm, like, it's very intimidating. I'm, like, damn. And I had my blonde hair. So I'm, like, you know, I'm, I'm out here looking like Chris Brown in the middle of these classes. I'm, like, what is, you know, I'm, I, obviously they probably thought, you know, like, what's going on with this kid? So a lot of times they would ask me. And I'm, like, oh, I'm a YouTuber. So a lot of times there would be people that would actually be fans of me. They're, like, oh, I, I watch your videos. So those moments would be cool. But then aside from that, when it came to, like, the classes, you know, Again, going back to just being myself, like, there would be, like, presentations and certain moments where, like, I would just be myself and I would be, like, the most impressive student in the class. Like, the professors would go crazy. Like, mm. I had one professor almost cry in front of the class to me after, like, a presentation. And it's just because, like, I'm so used to being on camera, talking right. to people. Like, I don't mind being in any sort of position. Like, like I said, in high school, I was very universal. I, I, can, I can mesh with any crowd. You know, I really don't judge nobody. And if I do up at any moment i can swear My yeah, bad. It's fine, if i up at any moment you know i'll be able to just like own up to it and go back and just like you know apologize like i really try not to be as stubborn at all like you know i can i can retrace any steps and, and you know try to you know just own up to my mistakes so that uh was a wild experience though in college um like i said i had to rush and do the programs in the summer and everything but 
Uh, looking back at it, I do wish I networked more because a lot of those kids I feel like could have definitely helped me, especially when it came to like a financial standpoint for like businesses and stuff, especially mm-hmm. now. If I still had those connections, you know, I can like maybe help build their businesses up because a lot of new there was a lot of new entrepreneurs I wanted to start and had like a lot a lot of new startups. So I could have helped them when it came to marketing and stuff. But at the same time, like I said, a lot of those courses, man, I, I was in there. I'm like, I already know this. Like, I already did this. Like, I do yeah. this. Like, I, oh, how to, like, you know, how to sell something or how to, like, market it and how to, like, you know, gross income and net worth and this and that. I'm, I, was, I was like, I knew all of this. But it, it was it was, it was was it was an inter- interesting time for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's, like, kind of how, like, a lot of my classes are. Like, I'm, I do a lot of on-camera stuff. Oh, like, nice, nice. Like, outside of, um, like, the classroom. Like, because I want to be a sports broadcaster, like, once I graduate. Fire. So um, is, is that your um, uh, degree? Sports media. Sports yeah. media? Fire. Yeah. Fire. Fire. So it's, like, when they, you know, they tell you how to, like, do these things, mostly students that, like, have never been in front of a camera, have never yeah. done this and never done that. Similar to, like, your situation back when you were at URI. So it's, like... Not that it's not useful, but it's like, you know, I kind of already know how to do this. So even, like, when I was at Rick, uh, before coming to URI, I was like, what can I do to kind of, like, be, like, ahead of the game? You know what I mean? So I started up doing this, which, you know, was a huge help. But That's fire. You could definitely relate to that um, from that standpoint. But um, So what year did you graduate at URI? I graduated uh, 2020, but then I think it was the COVID year. So basically ended up being 2021 when I got my, like, um, diploma and everything. But, yeah, 2020. Yeah, so 2021, back in October, yeah. was your first announcement of the Club Ambition podcast. Which, yeah, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Again, it was before it was Complex, right? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Complex. So the initial name of the channel was uh, Complex Ambition, but then we tried to like legally like own that, and then we ran through some issues. So then we had to like rebrand, but at the same time, it made us be able to stand apart from that brand identity because everywhere we went, kind of a lot of people would attach us to Complex Media, Complex News. You know, even themselves, like, they've reached out and they wanted to work with us uh, potentially in the past. So it was still love. It's not necessarily any vendetta or anything. But, you know, we definitely had to rebrand because I wanted to make sure that we'd be able to own it 100%. So now I own the trademark 100%, you know, own the logo, everything. So everything's club ambition. And it also gives it kind of like a more of a welcoming vibe because, like, you know, it's a club. Like, I just like the word. I, I like the way it sounds. And I like mm. the, the new, like, colors, uh, c- color tones and, like, the way we played with the logo arrangement of the word. Yep. I just, I'm more of a genuine fan of it. And at the same time, it, it always goes back to ownership. No matter what you do and what you create, you have to make sure that you can, you know, own the 100% of the intellectual property. Because you never know what could happen. Like, you might think, oh, there's only got 10 views, there's only got 20 views, but who watched it? You know, who was who was amongst those 20 people? Like, you never know who's watching, you know. So a lot of people, a lot of times, invest in people based off of potential, not necessarily based off of just the overall engagement. So as long as you have quality content and you keep pumping it, you know, make sure to have something as as far as the branding of it you can own because mm-hmm. you want to make sure you have to protect yourself from things that can happen in the future. Yeah, for sure. And, and for someone like me, like, I mean, I'm I'm taking it very serious with this, like with the platform that I have. But my, like I said, my main goal is to be a broadcaster at the end of the day. But yeah, yeah. Um, definitely want to know, like, again, like we talk about consistency. That's how you know the attraction kind of comes for like the videos and reactions and things like that. But um, as far as branching out from like the reactions, how did you decide like you wanted to do more than just like talking about music? Because you talk about you know everything in Rhode Island yeah, yeah, yeah. and a lot of things going on in the world too. So. Just kind of talk about that, like how you branched out from just reactions. Yeah, so basically I just kept it, again, again organically and authentic. So me, myself, I'm just like a universal sponge. Like I love, excuse excuse me, I always love like listening to like everything, like whether it's um, politics, sports, like every level of media. I'm always engaging, listening to some sort of new reaction, new interview, you know, watching a new movie, you know, watching a sports game, like, I, I, I watching a brand new TV show, like, I, I know everything about, like, every brand new, like, TV show, every new movie, like, I'm already gearing up to, like, watch um, Oppenheimer uh, next week, but then I'm debating, because I also want to watch the Barbie movie, because <laughs> it actually looks pretty good, so I want to, I want to be able to capture, uh, watch both of those movies that weekend when they come out, so I'm, like, always on top of, like, everything media, so I realize, like, you know, when it came to the reactions, it kind of kept me in the singular box where, like, yeah, these work. These get a good amount of views no matter what. But, like, I want to talk about more things, you know. And instead of creating another channel, I just put it on the same channel because we already had the huge sub count. And, and at the end of the day, the main idea was to create kind of like an empire, kind of like a network where you can have this one umbrella and then build worlds uh, beneath it, you know. Mm. So the podcast came to mind because I'm always listening to podcasts to this day. Every single day, a new podcast, you know, a new episode from a traditional podcast whether it's a Joe Rogan podcast, a Joe Budden podcast, like I'm always tapped into the podcast world. Um, and 
yeah, I was like, let me just start up my own, you know, and I'm like, let me call it, you know, Club Ambition Podcast, and it can help also put out the new rebranding of the name, you know, the Club Ambition name, and at the same time, you know, I wasn't going to just try to get the biggest names, because, like, I know a Trippy Red, et cetera, but it's like to just try to strive to just get those people on if we want to do, like, a interview-based type of interview uh, platform, like, it's not really realistic because you're going to live and die by the interview, you know. So I was like, let me just make it more local based, you know, and like put on my city more and be more, you know, proud of my city in a visual content space. So I started creating content around Rhode Island within that podcast, you know, and that's helped the, the podcast itself blow up. A lot of people think because you're talking about Rhode Island, et cetera, you know, it's the smallest thing in the country. No one really cares about it. But a lot of my biggest videos on TikTok and on Instagram reels have been viral videos about Rhode Island, you know, mm -hmm. and that's something that people, you know, need to remember, like, just because, you know, we live in a small state in the country doesn't mean that we got to have the smallest mentality or the smallest creative heart. Like, I think we have a lot, a lot of potential. And now I feel like people are tired of the same old thing over and over. So if you stand out easily by just being yourself, oh, I'm from Rhode Island, people are like Rhode Island. Oh, what's going on over there? Oh, oh, I kind of heard about it, but they don't know too much about it. You stand out from the pack because everyone's from New York. Everyone's from L.A. You know, everyone's out there trying to do the same thing. But out here, you're going to be more unique. Like, oh, damn, right. Rhode Island. Like, this is, this is you know, something here. So I am currently right now at the forefront of trying to create that creative hub more, you know, at a more popular level and viral level than ever before. You know, I feel like because, you know, I even have like local journalists and local news stations all the time reach out to me, especially the young ones that just join like WPRI or Turn to 10. Like they'll reach out to me and they'll literally tell me like, man, I want to be doing what you're doing. I'm like, what do you mean? Like you could just do it. Like they'd be, yeah. like, they'd be like, no, man, listen, you, you, you the engagement you get in, like you're getting more views than us and everything. And I'm like, man, listen, people are just tired of like the traditional media. Mm -hmm. Like whenever I report on a news story, a lot of times and not necessarily the day it breaks, it'll be like six days later, like when they robbed the bank on Federal Hill. You know, I reported about it, I think like five days after it happened. And a lot of people to this day are commenting like, what? I, I, I live here and I didn't know that this happened. And I'm like, well, well, that's why I'm here, because I'm able to amplify the news that I find interesting to a higher level. So mm -hmm. then people, you know, can get that engagement and it also creates a value in my opinion, where I can easily just, you know, text a group chat about it, tweet about it. But instead of me doing that, I put my opinion on my platform mm. and then I create a value for my opinion. You know, whether it's the monetization of the views or if it's just the views itself, the comments, you know, or people just commenting all the time. I love that. That's, part of, that's one of the proudest moments when people be like, what? I didn't know that, was hap that happened. Yeah. I didn't know that that existed or this and that. It's kind of that, that enlightening moment. Like, oh, this is why I'm doing it for, you know? Mm. Yeah. And people talk to me all the time, too, about like what I'm doing, like. They're like, oh, like I wish I I started this. Or yeah, yeah. But it's like you can, you can, you can do you can it. Do like, it today. It doesn't doesn't take anything to really do it. Like yeah. I have like the smallest budget starting everything up. But it's like if you just have like you know the confidence to do it, like the drive and the, and the determination to do it, like it's you can do it just like that. Like you said, yeah, yeah. Um, and going back to like the connections you made too, like with um, someone like David Duke and like Cole Swider and Jeremy Pena, who have made names for themselves at the professional level. Like people want to see stuff like that too. So kind of like segue into my next question is. One, how do you make those connections, like those, those big name connections, and um, you know what's like the process of like going into that and getting you know a hold of them and on their on your show and stuff like that. Yeah, man, it goes again <laughs> back to the main. You might have to even title the episode this, but it goes back to like the the authenticity, like organic, just being yourself. Like throughout everything I've done, I've always had like a fan base because they know, oh, that's the kid that makes YouTube videos. He gets a lot of views on YouTube, the reactions and stuff. So. You know, I did go to school with um, David Duke and with Jeremy Pena, but I wasn't necessarily, like, the closest to them at all. Like, you know, they've I've heard of them, they've heard of me, but we definitely have mutual friends. But it was a situation where, like, people locally are just fans of what I've done, but before, where there wasn't no sense of, like, how can we collaborate, mm -hmm. now there is. There's an open platform with the podcast where, like, you can come on, you know, and it's created this, created this exclusivity where it's, like, I don't interview just everyone. It has to be someone that... I want to interview, you know, I care about and I, I want to make it happen because a lot of times people reach out, they, they're they willing to pay, willing to send money. I'm like, that's not that's not what I'm doing here. Like, mm -hmm. that's not the point. That's not what's going on here. If I start doing that, it's like, I'm going to just, you know, like this is going to be, you're going to dilute the, 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 the actual product here and everything's going to be seen on camera as inauthentic. Like, you're going to be able to tell, like, this is not organic at all. Right. Like, what is going on here? Like, this is, like, a fake energy here. So I would never really do that unless someone, like, were to pay, like, a, a crazy amount of money, obviously, or it would make sense. Uh, I would never turn that down, down either. But what I'm trying to say is just 
you have to create that sort of like exclusivity of what you're doing. Have a purpose within what you're doing. Let's say you create a brand new podcast and you're centered around the local florist of Johnston. You have to make sure that you're just interviewing the florist of Johnston. Like you can't just, you know, make something that just randomly, okay, this week we're actually going to have a florist from, you know, Maryland. And she just started last week, last week. And it's like, hold up. It's like people are going to get confused. So throughout that exclusivity, you know, I feel like these are these um, celebrities, you know, they feel comfortable in the space. And at the same time, it's like a lot. They've told me in person, a lot of them where, you know, these athletes are very popular. A lot of times they might have friends that want to start up a podcast or start Mm. up something new and they want to start up with them. So they sometimes don't feel too comfortable with that. They rather go on a platform like mine where it's established. They know I know how to talk. They know I'm opinionated. You know, they know that I'm not just doing this like for cloud or whatever. I'm doing it because I just like talking to people, right? And it's just like what I do is for a living. So, with like a Jeremy Pena, when I am to go to, uh, you know, when I'm when I'm going to ask about, you know, interviewing him, it's not necessarily even begging him or anything like that. It's like organically, like expected in a sense. Like our mutual friends were already uh, putting it out into the air. You know, he said he was down before I even really even asked him in a comment one time, like. Like, I think right when we were beginning the podcast, he was, like, mentioning that he has to come on. So then the stars aligned. Whenever mm-hmm. he was comfortable to come on, when he was back in town, we made it happen. You know, and that's, like, a gold moment right there where that interview is so amazing. Like, I still want to post clips from it because I really didn't promote it much at all because I just felt like it was just special. I wanted that moment to live within itself. But that's one of those interviews that I can look back in 10 years from now and it's still going to have some value. But then through that, like, when I, when I were to message, let's say, hey, David Duke, you know, like, it's just organic. Like, they know, oh, let's make it happen. Like, mm. let's, let's make it a quitty pay from the Colts. Like, oh, let's make it happen. Cole Swider, he hit me up. He's like, yo, I'm in town. Let's make it happen. Because, like, they just know, like, first of all, I'm not here to necessarily, like, again, go look for clout. I'm not trying to, like, um, use anyone or, like, mm. miss you. Like, like, you know, you don't, like, I'm not coming from an ill intention or, like, an ill space. It's actually an organic space, you know, whatever i make i make sure to make them feel comfortable in my studio space that's why i'm proud of having like a you know actual studio space even though this is dope don't get me wrong like have it this is a studio space within itself trust me like doing it at your house is this is awesome but i love having like a space where people can come you know and i can just like if they want something to eat if they have like an entourage whatever they can Mm -hmm. hang out on the couches you know make them feel welcome and we can record at any time of the day whenever they want to be you know and at the same time there's a bonus where it's like i'm home i'm in rhode island so whenever they're back home they feel comfortable just stopping by, you right. know, and it creates that sort of like energy where they don't really got to necessarily travel, you know, and also I'm willing to travel. Like I, I've like I did that recently with, with the Jaleel interview. I went to Boston uh, to record that, but I am willing to travel if necessary, but it's best and all more awesome every time when I do something at home, mm-hmm. like especially in my own space, like that's something that I'm very proud of because it creates that necessarily like almost like a tourist site, like where people, they come by here, you got to make sure to stop by that space, that studio to get an interview, you know? Right. And like you said, like you have your own office space now, like it's, yeah, yeah. it's like accessible to anybody. Like um, you said, it's more comfortable when you're back home, but yeah. um, one, like how did you kind of like, I guess kind of like build up like that space? Like how did it go from just like, like what was the moment where you were like, all right, I can actually take this and make it like a career. Like what was that moment for you? Like, Man, it was um, this is a good question. It was probably was like around, I want to say, uh, around when I was like, um, like two years into like college, where it was like I was debating whether I should get like a real deal like job or not. But then it, it was like I I just knew like working for someone, I never really liked it because I I've always been sort of like an entrepreneur as a young like teenager in school high middle school i was always trading sneakers trading clothes selling sneakers reselling clothes so aside from doing the content making money that way i was always making money from being a reseller like i was mm. one of the biggest resellers in the state like always reselling the, the latest releases whether it was through you know local meetups marketplace you know on facebook or if it was you know offer up or just local stores I would provide, you know, to this day, I still resell, I, you know, I work with, uh, shout out to Cured Collection, I, I sometimes, I, I supply stuff there, etc., and that's one of my friends, like, he's so awesome, that store's so awesome, and Providence Place Mall, Cured Collection, so definitely make sure to check it out, but, you know, that's something that I've always done, and again, it's just authentically, like, I've always loved the culture, where there was, like, you know, streetwear, you know, name brands, sneakers, so I would make money from that reselling it, you know, instead of uh, just wearing it, because it's so expensive, I'm like, who the hell would pay $300 for a pair of sneakers? But I'm like, oh, wait a minute. 
let me buy these sneakers and pay it and and pay the retail and just resell it because you know if someone's willing to pay it that's not for me to judge it if i'm making the profit that's that's their issue at the end of the day so i would do that and i still do it to this day but that was like the one of the main sources of income as a you know when i was young very young and then going into you know monetizing a channel you know uh doing merch you know, it, it was a, a situation where we had a lot of funds, you know, collected, and, but we never necessarily spend it anyway, anyhow. So I was like, oh, you know, how can we invest this? And I'm like, if we want to do the podcast, we got to get a studio space. So that's that was like the main like way that we reallocated the money when it started at, you know, the money was like, oh, all made from here. It was sitting in this account. And I'm like, oh, let's invest this and make more merch let's make uh actual studio space let's 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 pay the rent here and i was like you know if we have to just i calculated where it was like if we only are able to afford it for like a year and just pay every month for like one year like a one-year lease then we have to make it like worth it like right so that was the goal going into like the first year even if we just broke fully even and then now we are going into three years in the same space so it's, it's been amazing and don't get me wrong i definitely wish uh, it was way more um profitable but slowly but surely i'm working towards that path where now i'm trying i'm trying to do more um advertisement placements not just with bigger brands because i've worked with like a manscaped um what's another uh like a bigger brand like a ridge wallet like i've worked with ridge mm-hmm. wallet manscaped before uh multiple times but it's not it's not as consistent you know they yeah. really kind of go for like the viral viral views like high views at all times no matter what right so I'm like, you know, in the past couple of months, I've started realizing, like, I really got to do more of a local, like, sponsorship placement for, like, up-and-coming businesses and up-and-coming brands and entrepreneurs, local events. So that's what I've been doing. You know, I've created my own promo package, et cetera, where I give it, you know, is I work with every budget and I'm flexible. And I also provide, like, free consultation through that promotion package so I can help people with their own business, et cetera, if they have any, they want any tips. You know, so I'm doing that now. Um which I should have been doing years ago. Mm-hmm. Again, like, you know, I, I, people see me and they think, oh, this guy, you know, has millions of views. They think I'm like, he has millions of dollars. It's like, it's, like, it's far from the truth. It's, it's <laughs> incredibly far from the truth, you know. Um, and, you know, but one day, God willing, you never know. Again, you have to protect that um, that brand because and protect that IP because you never know what can happen down along the line if someone wants to invest, let's say, millions of dollars to something out of Rhode Island. I think it's definitely possible, but... You know, just got to cross my fingers and just keep it growing. But, yeah, for, so in the past couple of months, I've done the promo packages and stuff locally. Well, I, I should have done that, like, years ago, though. I feel like that could have been something that from day one would have been, you know, generating revenue and stuff. But even with that, I haven't even really posted that, like, mm-hmm. anywhere. It's just been through sort of DMs where people ask, like, oh, do you do any promo, et cetera? So I'll do the promo, have the package ready. But soon I'm going to make, like, an actual post. Yep. I just know once I do, it's going to get flooded. But, you know, I can't really complain. It's just going to be more work. Yeah, exactly, and, and all that stuff encompasses into one, and it's been just growing and growing yeah, yeah. ever since. So, you know, congrats to you. That's amazing. That's it's inspiring to look at. I appreciate you know. it, man. Um, yeah, for sure. And um, you've been able to speak at a lot of events and, yeah. you know, voice your, uh, like, opinion and like, your experiences that you've been through. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been, like, some of the most, like, memorable moments for you to be able to be, like, on a platform and kind of, like, inspire other people to not only do what you do but to kind of, like, chase whatever they want to do? Man, it's, it's talking to kids. You know, speaking of that, next week, I think, starting Tuesday. So Tuesday through Friday, I'm going to be teaching a podcast program for summer school, I think, Central Falls High School. So it's going to be high school students for four days. I'm going to be helping teaching them how to start a podcast, basically, and create their own podcast. So I'm going to be doing that. I got hired for that uh, position. So I'm excited for that. It's happening next week. But I've been invited to speak at multiple, like, high schools, elementary schools, middle schools. And whenever they recognize me, like the kids there, and they say like, you know, especially now with this generation, it's like TikTok, like oh, mm. like oh, you're the kid from TikTok, and like they get so like uh, amped up, and like the number one question they always tend to ask is like, you know, how uh, like how the, how do you do it? And like they'll be like, do you did you did you ever get like uh, no views? And like how do you get like not give up? Like how did you just keep it going? And how did you do it? And that's, like, the biggest, like, eye-opening experience for me where it's, like, I realize, like, I've always told myself, like, you know, I'm impacting people. You see it online. You know, you see it through the comments, et cetera, DMs. But then seeing it in person is another thing. When someone, like, actually to my face tells me, like, you know, I've seen your videos. Like, you inspire me. Like, how do you do it? Like, how can I do it? How can I do this? It's, like, the biggest takeaway. Like, that's, Mm -hmm. like, my biggest currency in the world. Like, aside from even deeper things, because we've had, like, conversations with fans, like, 
literally on the brink of suicide, et cetera. And we helped them through like their mental health space because a lot of our videos, you know, throughout the reactions, we again keep it authentic and keep it real. We'll react to a song, but like if the if the rapper, like for example, uh, rest in peace, um, Juice World. Before Juice World passed away, well, he still does in the music that they, they still release posthumously. But his songs would talk about like drug use and like drug abuse and like him being sad and suicidal thoughts. And we would listen to the songs, react to them, but we were always told his fans, you know, while reacting, we're like, we hope that he's okay, though. Like, yeah. this is pretty crazy. Like, this is fun to turn up to, but I'm like, yo, this guy's talking about some real shit. Like, what? Did he just say that? Like, hold up. Let's, I, and we would talk to the camera, like, literally as if we were talking to him, like, we hope you're okay. Like, we hope you, you're getting, you know, any help with your friends. We hope you got a good, uh, good support uh, base around you. And then, unfortunately, he passed away, but we would always do that. So then a lot of our fan base, they connect with us on that level, mm -hmm. where, like, they'll send us messages about, you know, their suicidal thoughts and like the battles that they had, they've had on a personal level. So that's been another huge takeaway that even in person we've had, like with younger fans and kids, like they come up to us and tell us that. So, you know, that, that's been amazing every time. Yeah. And, and not only being able to like inspire them to like, like you say, kind of like teach them just about anything. Like you can teach them now, like you said, like a few coming weeks, you're going to be teaching them how to make a podcast, yeah. how to make, how to be a, an influencer. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I was able to speak at uh, Bishop Hendrigan in Warwick. Oh, nice. Uh, to, like, their sports media program about just what I do. And I'm, like, of all people, like, they wanted me to do it. Like, I'm not, you know, yeah, yeah. crazy, like, uh, on super, like, big numbers on, like, social media. But they just, they love what I do with this. They love, like, what I do down in my school. So I think that's, like, probably, like, the coolest thing you can take away from what you do is being able to inspire other people. So 100%. I applaud that. I love that. Um, but I'll go along with the lines of, like, more memorable moments, cool experiences. You're now managing um, – a local renowned artist, Lil Swifty. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like relatively new. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, going back to like where you started everything with reacting to music. Um, one, what's that like? You know, been managing him, and how did that come about? And like, have you ever considered becoming an artist yourself? Like, as like you, you know, did the reactions because you obviously your whole life has been revolved around music. So I was curious if that ever like crossed your mind. Yeah, man. Uh, Swifty is just again organically. He was always just someone around me, a friend of mine, and he always did music and in school, like classical, high school. It was, like, to the point that he was, like, doing so much music at the time where people were, like, literally annoyed by him. Like, this guy's always making music, always rapping mm. in class. But then he really chose it as, like, a career path. And then now, in my opinion, he, he can be argued as, like, the most, like, talented artist in Rhode Island because he produces all his music. He writes all his music. It's all, like, him, himself. And it's just very, like, really good. Like, the quality is really good, especially his newest project. And then I was like, you know, let me help you out. So let me basically manage you. And I'm just doing it to the best of my ability. You know, hopefully, you know, uh, I already spoke with, like, for example, people that I know, like a Trippy Red. You know, so I'm trying to link them up soon, have them meet eventually soon, like this summer. Because there's certain things where it's like I know these artists and I know these people and record labels in the industry but then, you know, perfect perfect thing that you asked that, you know, I'm not an artist myself. So, like, I wouldn't be necessarily able to utilize them or, like, anything that they would be able to help me with at all. I can only maybe use them in a space where it's, like, maybe connect me with your artist from your record label. Or if I know the artist, hey, maybe you want to do some content together. But I wasn't able to be like, you know, let's do some music together or, like, let, let me show you my beats, etc. But now when I work with, like, someone like a Swifty, you know, Isaiah, I'm able to, like you know, do that for him and I can help a friend out at the same time. And at the same time, someone I'm just a fan of, I like his music a lot. So I'm like, I can, able, I can be able to open some doors for you that I wasn't able to open for myself because I'm not necessarily an artist. But then going back to the artist stuff, I've been thinking about that lately more where it's like, maybe I should try it, try it out, even if it's like from a parody standpoint, because mm -hmm. of the fact that, man, I've realized like how strong the power of music is. Like, it's pretty yeah. crazy. Like the the level of music like you really can't gauge i know you can you have the numbers and stuff to like see like people's followers and stuff but there's people that have songs that are so big like and, and the song itself just it becomes bigger than the artist like music transcends like across all like ages across all you know languages like it, it breaks all barriers where people can relate to like a song that just sounds good to them. They heard it at a certain moment of time. It could become like 10 years from now, like let's say your wedding song or like the song you remember like when your your wife was giving birth to your child too, you played. It becomes songs that are just become, songs become part of like your time capsule in your mind of memories in your life throughout your life journey. So music is too powerful, man. So lately I've been thinking about like, you know, maybe I should be able to t should try to tap into it in some level or some way 
but I don't know. If, I would have to test it out first and see if I like uh, how my voice sounds on a production. And I know yeah. it sounds decent on camera, uh, on, on a microphone, but I want to see like behind a beat, like if I can make it actually work. You know, one yeah. day you never know. Because people tell me like I have like a good like like radio voice, I guess. Or, yeah, like, yeah. Broadcasting voice, like once I go on air and stuff, but that's a completely different like. Because you've got to see how it sounds with, like, melodies and yeah, all yeah. that stuff. Like, a lot goes into it. So, like, props to all those people that are doing it. And I didn't even know, before you interviewed Jaleel, I didn't even know he was from Rhode Island. Yeah, like, but have you heard of him, though, before? But, but you didn't know he was from Rhode Island? No, I didn't know he was from Rhode Island, but I knew who he was. We, we yeah. were talking about it earlier. That's like, fire. You know, he has a lot of, he's got a couple big hit songs, and he's, like, very yeah. well known now. And once I saw you have him on, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, he's connected with him. And then he was like, he was like, hey, he's from Pawtucket. And I'm like, I, didn't yeah. know, I had no idea he was from Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's dope. So that's my goal to do certain things like that to kind of, like, bring people's like spotlight like oh wow even with the cold sweater thing it was like people didn't even know that it was like a laker from rhode island i'm like yeah, yeah. this guy's from providence and he's from he's on the lakers so that's another thing that i love doing where it's like a eye-opening experience every single time for people like whoa that happened but yeah the jaleel stuff was pretty cool and he, he's he's another one where it's like i can look at that interview years from now and like i know it's gonna still have value where it's like it's 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 gonna he's gonna keep growing like i think mm-hmm. the day after we interviewed him or put out the interview i think Drake followed him, and then Drake left a comment on his post. I'm like, oh, wow. Literally the day after our interview dropped, so I'm like, yeah, this guy's like out of here, and he's from around. So, yeah, yeah, man, the music music is very strong, really strong. Yeah. Did you end up going to the Drake concert the other night? No, I didn't go. I wanted to, but the prices, the ticket prices were crazy. I, I, yeah. I could have, I could necessarily, in a sense, afford it, but right now I just felt like I, I didn't want to put that that money towards that. And I wouldn't go alone. I had to take my girl. So I was like, I'm not going to drop $800 right now. I'm like, it's not. Yeah. To set all the way up in the nosebleeds. So. Yeah. Even though that the stage design I saw, like it, it, it kind of feels like if you watch, if you go to that concert, you could kind of sit anywhere in the building and kind of enjoy it. Not to the same exact level as the people up, up close, mm. but I guess the way Drake designed it with the screens, it's kind of like a universal effect where people can kind of enjoy it from the bleachers. So that made me kind of debate where like, Oh, I could sit kind of anywhere. But even those prices were like, yeah, that was like five hundred dollars after fees yeah. per ticket. I'm like, no, this is dry. I love Drake, but not this much. Oh, I, I, I hear you. I wanted to go too, but um, you know, it, it's the coolest experience being able to be at like those kinds of shows. Like I remember, me and my boy uh, went to uh, Astro World, not Astro World Fest, but in 2018, Travis was at TD. Yeah, and like this is when Astro World like just came out. Oh wow, this is 20 yeah 2018. And um, we got floor seats, and then at the time they were like I think two, three hundred dollars, and like that was like wow, once in a lifetime experience for us. But I feel like now, like if if that would happen again, like it'd be like in the same kind of price range, which is like ridiculous. Yeah, but. I remember. Going, I think I went to that one. I went to that yeah. one, and I went to the Connecticut show for Travis too. I made so much money off of his um merch, reselling his merch. Yeah, I still have some of his merch because Travis had like CDs that he signed, like available as merch, but a lot of people weren't buying them. I don't know why. And, really? I think, and I think it was like for a dollar. I swear to God, it was like for a dollar. But I think it was because it was kind of to the side. They, they weren't really know what it was. Yeah, they yeah. weren't really putting it up. It was kind of to the side on the table. But I looked over. I'm like, is that Travis Scott's signature? <laughs> so now I still have a couple of those, and I've seen those go literally for like thousands of dollars. I'm like, oh, that's crazy that I was able to buy that. Yeah. <laughs> buy that for a dollar at the at the merch stand. But yeah, man, that that um that 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 was amazing, man. The the to see the Drake impact, and you saw Jason Tatum. He brought up Jason yep. Tatum last night. So that. That was pretty awesome as well to see, yeah. Yeah, and similar to that too. Like, what has been some of like the cooler experiences you've been able to be a part of? Like, uh, I know like huge like music festivals like Rolling Loud and like Summer Smash or like Lyrical Lemonade. Like those events look cool to be able to work at as like an influencer and be able to interact with like artists. Have you ever been able to do that one and have like what's been like the coolest event you've been to if you've been to one? Yeah, man. I I've been. I went to the. Uh, the only Rolling Loud I've been to was the one that wasn't necessarily a Rolling Loud. It was a Rolling Loud, but it was during COVID, so they did it through Twitch. It was like a stream like Rolling the Loud. Zoom thing, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The Zoom one, so they didn't have like an audience per se, but I was able to go with Trippy. Like, he, we were just hanging out with him that day, and he brought us there backstage, so we were hanging out with him, Ski Master Slump God. I was able to meet um, uh, Tariq. He's like the owner mm-hmm. of Rolling Loud, so I, was, I still have his number, so I was able to meet them. Um, so that was a cool experience, um, you know, but aside from that, you know, actual events I've gone to myself would probably be like the the first uh day in Vegas festival. It's like a new fest newer festival that they've created in Vegas where it's like it's like a huge festival. Like they always have like big, you know, headline names. But that concert that festival was insane. Like we were there, we saw J. Cole, Kendrick, Tyler Creator. I met Nardwar that day. We met a lot of cool people there. Um a lot of fans. We had girls in the crowds literally crying. Like we were smushed in the mosh pits. 
like and then it was like girls recognized and i was like oh my god you're from youtube and she started literally crying i'm like oh hey but it was like <laughs> such an awkward like hold up i'm in this mosh pit you're yeah. sweaty let's kind of you know talk later but <laughs> that that was awesome you know th those type of things you know and now i'm gonna prepare myself where you know my analytics and my impressions you know uh gratefully you know thankfully you know with god's you know you know actual help have been so impressive so far that where i realized like if i reach out to these places ahead of time for like a media kit or like a media pass press pass i'll be able to get into them i just got to start doing that more ahead of time like i almost did it for governor's ball but they said i was too late i i i've passed the deadline but if i reach out to these um festivals and stuff i'll be able to like hopefully attend them more and work at them more mm -hmm. and get content at them more for free you know so that's one of my goals as well in the next upcoming years you know while i have such a big you know attention span on socials i think i can definitely you know become a part of these these places and you know bring a lot of content back to the space yeah yeah no those are great and i love um i love like seeing that, that kind of that kind of content especially people that you like that you like like yeah. my favorite artist is is little skies i'm sure you know Lil oh nice yeah, that's your favorite artist ever, that's yeah, fire. ever favorite artist ever oh wow um I've been able to, i met him in new york one of my friends um and his dj uh rello mm. i got i was able to make a connection with him um, through the podcast, like he was a fan of, of my podcast when I, you know, a few years, actually like a year ago. Nice. Um, so I've known him for a little bit and he gave me his uh, music label called Connected Sound and he gave me this chain. Oh, that's fire. Um, when I met him in Pennsylvania for, yeah. So for just picking up from like where we were talking about before, yeah. um, like your message to the youth. So you had, you've had a lot of interactions with being able to be able to have your voice on a platform with YouTube, and then, like, you've been invited to a lot of places where you've been able to inspire kids and things like that, which is coming up soon, for another opportunity for you as well. Yeah. Um, just, like, the last few questions I got, just kind of, like, wrap up um, by saying, like, your message to the youth and what it is that you feel like the next generation needs to know to, like, pursue whatever they want to pursue. My message to the youth would be don't stop whatever you think that you should be doing. If you if you have this feeling inside of you that you want to start something, you want to do this, just do it. Don't think just because someone else might do it differently than you or someone might have a different opinion or you might think is not might not be possible because of a certain excuse. Try to eliminate all the excuses that would make this not a reality. You know, once you eliminate those excuses, you know, and just try it out, realize that Failure might happen. You know, you know, I think that we live in a generation right now where people are afraid of failure. They're afraid of possibly, you know, fucking up, possibly not being able to get a certain amount of views on something. And that's because the attention span is so shorter now. You know, people, all they care about is like the most viewed things and the most, you know, the things that have the most clout rather than the quality and the things that have the most moral sort of censored thing around it. And that's one thing that sucks about this generation. Like, I wish people really just realized, like, you know, the basics. Anything is possible. And, you know, no one on this earth is necessarily perfect at all. So just because, let's say, even you might disagree with someone, you know, we have to learn more how to agree to disagree. You know, it's okay. You, you know, I personally would rather have people around me that, you know, might necessarily doubt me or might necessarily in a sense just might not think something is possible because it's going to make me push harder to make that thing even more possible you know or someone thinks contrary to whatever belief or whatever thought i might have is going to create that discussion and it might create another thought or something out of that you know or it might just spark more of a drive to keep pushing that original thought i already had so we got to be able to just you know be ourselves within every circumstance and kind of just, you know, push through that wave or push through that mom a momentarily like actual burden because everything is just, you know, momentarily. You know, you might feel a certain way today, tomorrow, you might feel a whole other way. You know, so people gotta remind themselves of that, especially creators out there, because, you know, there's there's more than enough for all of us because you know, if, if there wasn't, then, you know, there wouldn't be people like Cam. There wouldn't be people like me just creating content here in Rhode Island. You know, it wouldn't even exist. You know, people would just be like, oh, there's no content makers in Rhode Island at all. Instead, you know, we're crossing barriers and now people are able to say, like, no, this is actually happening. There's examples here. Cam Corner with the actual sports and then Club Ambition with the music, with the podcast. You know, so we're actual living examples of it. So people just got to use, you know, that for inspiration and just keep on going. Yeah, for sure. And like you said before, like, 
you know, if you were to have someone tell you eight years ago that you'd be in this position, like you tell them like they're crazy. Yeah. So in five years from now, where do you see yourself? Where do you see like your brand? Where do you see everything going from there? Man, five years from now, I see myself having a bigger team. You know, right now myself, my, I am my team in a sense where like I do all my editing. I do Make all, all my, the reels, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I do yeah. all my editing. I do all my promotion. I do all my scheduling. I do all of my marketing, you know, I do everything myself, all traveling, et cetera. You know, I have a main friend, Marlon, that helps me a lot whenever I need him to, but at the same time, he has his own job, so, you know, I can't necessarily rely on him 100% of the time, you know, and I, I rely on myself, you know, and it's a bonus where it's like, you, you know, you are your own boss, but at the same time, you limit yourself when it comes to, like, the possibilities, you know, like, Right now, you know, like even me, I had to excuse myself early because I was running a bit late because I was like uploading reactions because I had to make sure I uploaded them today. Yeah, because I know after this, I'm going to be more busy, so I'm not going to be able to upload them. But if I had a team or something, I could have had someone doing that for me. And it's almost like, you know, people always say you you only have two arms, you know, two arms, two two legs and one head. But if I had uh, other people either working with me or under me or for me, then I'll be able to have, you know, you know, 10 arms, you know, I can have as many arms as I want as long as I'm able to afford it and they'll be able to do things for me while I'm doing something else. It's almost like, you know, actual clones walking for, walking around or robots per se. You know, we're speaking of robots, you know, who knows? Eventually, maybe I can have some AI yeah, right. <laughs> set up for me to, like, upload. And, um, you know, people use it for editing videos and, like, reels and stuff, but I still haven't. I've tried it out, but I still like doing it myself. I feel like the AI itself still hasn't mastered, like, the sort of like OCD-ness I add to like the perfection of my yeah. reel, you know. Mm. I use it like for like closed captions and stuff, but that's probably like the only thing. Yeah. It's like a little faster, but yeah, um, yeah, that's kind of everything I got wrapped up for you, Victor. I appreciate you for taking the time. Like you said, I know you're super busy. No, no worries. Um, at just want to think. What do you think of Camp's Corner? Who might you want to see in the future as a guest? Man, I think it would be awesome to get um, you know, well, first of all, if you need any help, you know, trying to get anyone else that I've had on, I could definitely try to connect the dots to that and make that happen. But cool. I think it'll definitely be cool to have like uh, Ray Allen's son. I think Ray Allen's son is going to be a cool story for um, Rhode Island. You know, I'm planning on having him on. But like I said, there's room for everyone. So he definitely should come on here as well. And, you know, that legacy right there, him being Ray Allen's son, in my opinion, one of the best shooters of all time. Ray Allen and my favorite, you know, at least top 10 top five even like um three-pointers shooters of all time so him being his son and choosing to come your ri within itself is a pretty unique you know story for rhode island you know and uh, i would love to see him on here talk about that as well yeah now again like i said i appreciate you a ton for taking the time to join me so it's a vibe is your main your main instagram club ambition and everything else man you guys been go- you've been going crazy one of my biggest like um influences as far as like the podcast appreciate around. it so man. i appreciate you for that appreciate you taking the time no problem at all um and yeah we'll see you guys in the next episode of camp's corner peace